0: So someone read verse 9. God
1: retains the prayers of the person who ignores the Lord.
0: Okay. How does God respond to a person who prays but pay no attention to his word? The King
1: James Version says he
0: turns away his Exactly. He, he, he would do what some people do when they don't want to listen to you. They, they suck their teeth and turn their head. So you could think of it like that way. When you go before God, you don't listen to what God says. You don't read His word. You don't heed what He says, and then you want to go to Him and pray. God, suck your teeth and turn and go there, go in the opposite direction.
1: Okay? So, Brother, is just what I'm saying. This is always, Psalm before He said, this is always attended to children, Christ. So it, it, we need to keep that in mind. So exactly. God is listening to every prayer you pray, and He's answering. Okay. And sometimes it's it, it very we Talk about that. We don't
0: understand he's That's right. We yes. cannot go before God in prayer with preconceived notions yes. on how we want him to answer. Okay, yes. God doesn't work that way. Okay, God will not listen to the prayers of anyone who will not listen to and obey him or his word or his law. Okay, so God 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 is an equal opportunity person. He said, You don't listen to me, I wouldn't listen to you. Now, is that fair? Yeah. That's fair, right? Yeah. God, remember that God is a God of justice. He's a just God. All right? Now, notice what the application tells us. It, if we intend to go back to our sinful practices as soon as we get off our knees, if we intend to go back to the same practices of sin as soon as we get off our knees, God will not listen to our prayers. Okay, and that happens. Someone said that while we pray and confessing, we're thinking about how we're going to commit the same sin again. Okay, and that happens. Regardless of how bad our sin is though, when we forsake our sin and follow him, he's willing to listen. He is attentive. He's willing to listen. So it's not the depth of our sin that closes his ears. But the secret intentions to sin. That really closes God's ears. It's not how big our sin is, it's our intention. See, remember the Bible says God looks at the intents of the heart. You can it's say anything with your mouth. God is looking at beyond your mouth, He's looking at the intents of the heart. What are your intentions? Never mind what you say, what are your intentions? Our intentions are as clearly heard by God as our words. Just as we can hear a person speak and hear them clearly, that's how clearly God hears our intentions when we speak. When we, when we say one thing and we are thinking something else, God is hearing what we are thinking louder than he hears what we are saying. That's the point that he's making here. Verse 10. Whoso causes the righteous
1: to go astray in an evil way, he shall forth himself into his own pit. But the upright shall have good things in procession.
0: Okay. There are a lot of people who will go around trying to entice good people into sin. Or try to drag good, righteous, godly people into their sinful behavior, practices, schemes, and whatever. Alright. But the Bible reminds us that whoever entices good people into sin will end up falling into their own trap. Jesus warned in Matthew 18 and verse 6. Notice what he says, he says, Whoso causes these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him if a millstone or a big rock were hung around his neck and he were drowned in the depths of the sea. In other words, if you cause any of my children, it's just little ones here, but it means all believers. If anyone causes any of my children to sin, it would be much better for him to get drowned in the ocean. Someone try a big block around his neck. You know, remember what the, the, uh, the mobsters used to do when they wanted to get rid of somebody? They would, uh, they would tie a cinder block, around a, on a, put a cinder block on a rope, tie it around their neck and throw them in the ocean. And sometimes those people's bodies would never found. They just miss him. But that's how the mobsters dealt with people. God says, if you cause any of my children to sin, it'll better, if we be better for you that you be dealt with the same way. Now, I don't know if the mobsters got that from the Bible or not, <laughs> right? <laughs> but uh, they came up with that somehow. Be honest, but he says, the honest, the honest, the upright, the godly, they will inherit nothing but good. The blameless could refer to persons who guide people in holy living instead of sin it can also be a reference to people who say no to being victimized into sinning by solicitation okay so this these good people or the honest people or the upright people or the blameless people could be a reference to those people who knew, recognize when they're being solicited into sin and and have enough sense to say no I'm not going that way because I know what you're trying to do you're not going to get me like that Okay, that's the kind of people he's talking about here. And so it, it means that we ought to be vigilant. Remember, uh, the Bible tells us that we are to be sober and vigilant. Why? Because the devil like a what? Seeketh whom he may devour. And he's always doing that. He's always doing. There's not a day that the devil is not out there trying to trip up God's people. And so we we think that he only dealing with the wicked people. But he got them under his control. He don't need to do much with them. What he's trying to do is make Jesus look bad by causing God's children to trip up and mess up. All right. And so we need to be cautious of that. And so he says here, the blameless inherit nothing but good things. Verse 11.
1: The rich man is wise in his own eyes. But the poor who has understanding searches him out.
0: Okay, depending on no one and taking credit for everything they do. Rich people often think of themselves as brilliant. They don't depend on nobody and whatever they accomplish, they take credit for it. You know, whenever believers have something happen in their lives, who gets the glory? God, thank you Lord for for providing this or for doing this or for orchestrating this or for allowing things to work out the way you work it out. But the rich people, the wealthy people, they don't do that. They think that everything they do, they, they do what they have, it's because of themselves, their brilliance, their wisdom, their knowledge. But all they have is just empty self-esteem. That's all that it is. By depending on God in their struggles, the poor can develop prosperity of spirit and no quantity of wealth. And no, no quantity of wealth can ever give give that quality of prosperity of spirit. The wealthy can lose all their material wealth, but the poor person's character can never be taken away from them by no one. No one can take your character from you. Okay. So we need to remember that because money may be all the wealthy will ever have, Christians must never be jealous of them, because we have much more than that. What the wealthy have will only last in this lifetime. What we have for the last of eternity. But sometimes we get bent out of shape when we look at what they have and we think that uh, they're better than us. Verse 12
1: <clears throat>
0: How true is that? There's immense jubilation, joy dancing in the streets, you might say. When the righteous climb to the heights of power, whenever good people succeed, there is a cause for rejoicing, because you know only good is going to come out of what they do, and how they lead, and, and the power that they have. On the other hand, people hide in terror when wicked people comes to power because they know that the devil is in charge. The devil is going to run run rough short over righteous and, right, and, and good people. And so, that's something that we need to be praying for. That godly people will be in positions of power. So that the people of God and all people will be able to rejoice and give God the glory. Verse 13.
1: Whoever can see transgression will not prosper. But he who confess for sakes will
0: obtain mercy. Okay, so forgiveness... It's very important. It's both judicial and parental. That's forgiveness. Judicial forgiveness comes when we trust Christ as Lord and Savior and receive forgiveness from the penalty of sins. That's judicial forgiveness. We receive parental forgiveness when, as believers, we confess our sins, as 1 John 1 and 9 tells us. If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us of all, not some, all unrighteousness, maintaining fellowship with the heavenly Father. But notice the voice also says that whoever covers his sins by by refusing to drag them out into the open, out into the light, and confess them before God and to anyone else that they may have wronged, will receive no blessing at all. Okay, so anybody who don't want to confess their sins, they 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 upset people, they treated people bad, they don't ask them for forgiveness. The Bible reminds us that they will never be blessed. But anyone who confesses, and forsakes. Now notice there's a catch there. Some people just confess, but they don't forsake. To forsake means that you make a decision that you're not going to do it again. That's what to forsake means. It means but as far as that particular sin concern, that is concerned, that that's not going to have any impact on your life whatsoever ever again. Okay, so confession is good, but forsaking that sin is even better because it means that you mean business. That's what it means. And so, but anyone who confesses and forsakes their sins is assured that God not only forgives them, but also forgets. According to Hebrews chapter 10 verse 17, do you know God forgets it? But he does. God forgets what he wants to forget. And he remembers what he wants to remember. Hebrews uh, 10, 17 says, then he says, I will never again remember their sins and lawless deeds. That's the Bible. God said that. He says, I will never again remember their sins and their lawless deeds. Learning from a mistake requires admitting the mistake. Right? That's the only way you can learn from a mistake, by admitting it. Okay? By admitting it, confessing it, analyzing it, and making the needed changes in your life not to repeat it again. While everyone makes mistakes, the only person who repeats them is a fool. Anytime you, know you see a person repeating the same mistakes over and over again? They classify themselves. You don't have to call them a fool. They classify themselves by their behavior as a fool. Everyone has a strong internal resistance to admitting, admitting they're wrong. That's built in. Remember Adam and Eve? That's where it came from. They had a strong internal resistance to admitting their faults. They were wrong. Okay. Adam blamed Eve and Eve blamed the snake. And the snake didn't have a leg to stand on. Okay, but we we all have that internal resistance of not wanting to admit our faults. That is why people who openly and graciously admit their mistakes and sins are often admired. People admire people who, who openly admit their faults and their failures. You come right out and say it. People admire them more than they admire a person who who, who refuse to admit their faults and their mistakes. Because such people have a strong self-image feeling good about themselves does not mean they always have to be right. We must always be willing to consider by admitting our wrongs and changing our ways to reconsider by admitting our, our, our wrongs and changing our plans when necessary keeping in mind that the first step toward forgiveness is confession. So we need to keep that in mind. We are more admired when we confess openly and admit that we are wrong. Nobody uh, admires a person who thinks that they're never wrong, they're always right, and everybody else is wrong. Nobody ever admires somebody like that, but they gravitate to a person who is humble and always admits when they are when at fault, when they are wrong. Verse 14.
1: Happy is the man who is always reverent, but he who hardens his
0: heart will fall into calamity. Okay, Sister Brenda, what did you version to say?
1: Blessed are those who fear to do wrong, but the stubborn are headed for serious trouble.
0: Okay, I like that. The stubborn are headed for serious trouble. Now, we've seen that over and over, right? We see it all the time. Stubborn people always end up in big trouble having a tender heart before God is one element of true happiness always open and tender the person who ends up in trouble is the one who is hard and unrepentant while God can refuse to accept the proud and shameless he cannot resist the broken and repentant heart a broken and contrite spirit God will not reject that's the Bible God says that Okay. so anytime we have a broken spirit a broken we are we are broken repentant God is gonna embrace you He will not reject you because it's genuine. Verse 15.
1: A wicked ruler is as dangerous to the poor as a roaring
0: lion or an attacking bear. All we need to do is look at politics around the world and we can see how true that is. A wicked ruler is as dangerous to the poor as a roaring lion. He might as well be attacked by a, a, a lion or a bear. If he's got a wicked rule or wicked leader. Beastly and heartless is the only way to describe a bully who is dangerous to the poor, weak and vulnerable people. He's like a roaring lion. We know that two of the most fearful animals that people have uh, trepidations about are, are lions and bears, uh, especially bears. Now bears are, are coming out of hibernation now and they are doing all kinds of stuff. Someone saw a bear sitting behind the wheel of his truck, uh, behind the steering wheel. Uh, trying to find all kind of food that he could, whatever he could find. And they destroyed that vehicle. I mean, they just ripped, it looked like that that truck was in an accident with another vehicle. Mm -hmm. The way that bear tore that up. So you don't want to tangle with a a bear. Mm -hmm. Or a a lion. Of course, we saw that video that uh, Pastor Lee showed some weeks ago with the the baby bear that was running away from the, and then the the bear, I I was wondering why the the thing, the, the cat turned back mama showed up mama bear showed up and you don't want to mess with an attacking bear you're in big trouble but it tells us that a wicked ruler is just as bad, just as dangerous just as vicious so we need to continue to pray that we don't have no wicked leaders running our country or involved in our our country in any way Uh, we have seen what wicked leaders can do in those African nations there was a leader named uh, Idi Amin remember him? oh yeah there were stories that he would kill people, cut out their liver, and eat it.
1: He used to drink their blood, too. There you go. I read, that's what I read.
0: Yeah, I, I read the same thing. You know, this guy was, I mean, he was brutal. You know, um, just imagine eating somebody's liver. Uh, verse 16.
1: A ruler with no understanding will oppress his people. But one who hates corruption will have a long
0: life. Okay, so this could give us an idea of what kind of leader uh, is leading or ruling a nation or a country. How long they stay in power. It's a good indication of what kind of leader they are. Because remember now, God is the person who put them there. God is the person who removed them. But we also need to remember that If the people, the people gets the kind of leader that they deserve. Put it that way. Remember the nation of Israel? God wanted to punish the nation of Israel. So what he did? He used other nations, wicked nations, uh, to to punish them. Okay, so a ruler described here, uh, the ruler described here in this particular verse, this passage, lacks understanding. In the sense that he tries to enhance himself at all costs he destroys his people to enhance himself because he steps on others to get wealthier he's also labeled a great oppressor a ruler who hates greediness and lives selfless, selflessly for the good of his people will extend his own days that's what the verse says he will have a long reign God will bless his reign and his days on the throne or his days in power. Okay, so again, another verse that challenges us to pray for good leaders. The Bible has a lot to say about good and bad leaders. Verse 17.
1: A murderer's tormented conscience will drive into the grave. Do protect it.
0: Okay, a stubborn murder is driven toward his fate and no one should interfere with the justice by seeking to get in the way or get him, get him exonerated or get him off. It is God himself who said, whoever sheds man's blood, by man his blood shall be shed. Okay, and again it's talking about, it's alluding to the justice system uh, where you have lawyers who know that their, their client is guilty. They know that they committed the crime, but they still try to get them off. You know, uh, this, this, this verse is saying, listen, you know, a stubborn murderer, a person who committed a crime, don't stand in the way of justice. Let justice take its course.
1: This version saying let no one help him.
0: That's right. Let no one help him. Okay. Let ju- justice run its course unfortunately we have a lot of that going on today uh... and uh, they talk about uh, what uh, client lawyer privilege verse eighteen the
1: communities will be rescued from harm, but the crooked will be suddenly destroyed
0: okay so here's another reference to god's people being assured of deliverance the first part of the verse is a reference to being saved from harm In this life instead of from damnation in the next that's the first part of the verse the eternal salvation from the penalty of sin is obtained by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ not by walking uprightly now there are people who say boy you you live a good life you be a good person you 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 pay all your bills and you don't treat nobody uh, bad then you okay okay the Bible doesn't teach that okay it's talking about uh, having faith in the Lord Jesus Christ our eternal salvation from the penalty of sin as obtained by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, not by living a good life or walking uprightly. The walk of the upright is actually the fruit of salvation. When we are saved it is expected that we walk uprightly, that we walk a righteous life. To do anything else is, is hypocrisy on the part of the believer. Anyone who wavers from one form of crookedness to another. The Bible reminds us. Will be destroyed. In other words. Their day is coming. When they're going to be wiped out. In other words. Their deeds are going to catch up with them. Sooner or later. Okay. The crooked. would be suddenly destroyed. You're only going to miss them. And you're going to. Well, what happened to him? I haven't seen him for a while. Well. What have they... Well. He's been wiped out. His, his wickedness caught up with him. And so the application principle. For verses 17 and 18. Is this. The conscience of sinners. Forced them. To feeling guilty, resulting in repentance or a refusal to repent leads to death. To try making them feel better is not being kind to them. Because the more guilty they feel, the more likely they are to turn to God in repentance. By interfering with the natural consequences of their sinfulness, we make continuing sin easier for them. Okay. Now that's that's a that's the both verse 17 and 18. Uh, the 17 says don't interfere with justice. Okay. And so we here we 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 understand that if you interfere with justice, you will be helping that person to continue in their sin. Okay. So that's a good reason not to interfere, right? Because if you if you interfere, you're telling them, well, you know I don't believe you're guilty. They may be guilty. You say no, I don't believe you're guilty. So I'm trying, I'm going to help you out. Well, what you are doing is you are becoming a co-conspirator with them in their wickedness, their evil deeds. Mm-hmm. Okay, you are not helping them. You are not making it any easy for them. Verse eighteen says, "Let them continue to wallow in their in their guilt, because it'll it'll eventually bring them to repentance." Uh, verse nineteen. Whoever works, his land will
1: have plenty of bread. But he who follows the workers' pursuits will
0: have plenty of poverty. Well, we're going to see the full impact of this windvaca. A hard worker, plenty food. But a person who chases fantasies will end up where? And even greater poverty. You know these web shops. All they're doing is perpetuating people's chase uh, of their fantasies. That's all they do it. They're increasing the chase for fantasies that people have. The difference stated here is between plenty of food and plenty of poverty. That's the difference here. The hard working person will have plenty of food. The person who engages in empty, non-productive activities will have what? What do they love? Plenty, of poverty. plenty of poverty. That's right. It's either one or the other. You can't have both. You will have one. You work hard and you spend and use your money wisely you're gonna have, you're gonna benefit from it, you're gonna have all that you need but if you don't you continue giving every I hear some people take the children dollar from the children, children lunch money and go to the web shop continue doing that you'll continue to end up in poverty and then verse 20 and then we're gonna stop The trustworthy
1: person will get a rich
0: people,
1: or the person who wants riches will get into
0: trouble okay now verse 20 follows right on the heels of verse 19 okay a trustworthy person is honest and does not crave vast wealth will be abundantly blessed that's what they'll whoever seeks to enrich themselves quickly by dishonest means wicked schemes will always get themselves in trouble Sooner or later, the law will catch up with them, and they're going to find themselves on the other end of the law, wondering, how did I get here, okay? So God has given us some good choice morsels of wisdom that we can sink our teeth into today. Uh, Perhaps, during the course of the week, we may have an opportunity to apply some of these wisdom principles and nuggets uh, to a situation that we find ourselves in, or that we may hear of someone else who find themselves in that situation and we could use what God has conveyed to us today to help that person out. Amen? Amen.